1: Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Love. Oh, that gets me excited.
0: And, of course,
1: the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you'll like football. Well, right. say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise <laughs> the <thrillers>. Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime.
2: SPT Overtime is back, and it is the Fight Crew. This time, I will be your host. I am Alex Henry and I am joined... With my long-term co-host Jake Murray. Jake, how are you?
0: Doing great. I'm excited to break down UFC 284 today, Alex.
2: And the new member to the SBT Fight Crew, Mitch. How you doing?
1: Feeling amazing. To
2: go over our records from the last card, I and Jake are four and one, and Mitch is three and two. Mitch, real quickly, talk about that uh, that three and two.
1: Yeah. It was a little upsetting seeing Johnny Walker go down like that. I really feel, or actually he took Paul Craig down like that. And I really feel like that kind of messed my whole flow up through the night, but we're going to pick it back up today. So it's all right.
2: We will see. And then Jake, do you have any takeaways from that, that four and one? We both went four and one, but on different fights.
0: Yeah, we did. I've had Brandon Moreno. You got that one wrong. And then I had Glover Teixeira. You got Jamal Hill, right? So Sure, your pick was a bit closer, I guess, and my pick was just far-fetched because I was complete domination from Jamal Hill on UFC 283, but nonetheless,
2: we're both 4-1. We are both 4-1, and, and it is time for UFC 284, Makashev versus Volkanovski for the lightweight championship. It's going to be crazy. It's taking place in Perth, Australia, and we are going to kick it off with Jimmy Crute taking on Alonzo Manyfield. Jake, I'll give it to you first. Who do you have in this fight?
0: Yeah, man. Jimmy Crute, the Australian here. He's 12-3, 2-3 in his last five UFC fights, though. In his last fight, it was a first-round KO loss to the now champion, Jamal Hill, in December 2021. Hill only had to land four significant strikes in 48 seconds to get Crew out of there. On the bright side, Crute has a great striking differential as he absorbs 2.76 strikes per minute, and he lands 4.33 strikes per minute of cage time. Has a 75% takedown accuracy and he averages 4.87 takedowns per 15 minutes of cage time. So he does have that well rounded game. He works takedowns into submissions as well. And even as a submission win over the Scotsman Paul Craig, his average fight time is only 437 as one of the seven UFC fights, one of his seven UFC fights has seen the second round. For Menafield, he's 13 and 3 with 10 knockout wins and 10 first round finishes. He wins 77% of his fights by KO or TKO and he has a great takedown defense, which is something I see importance in in this fight. 85% takedown defense and his last fight was a first round KO win over Misha Serkinov. That's the only thing I worry about him with is his gas tank. He has the power to finish fights but the longer the fight goes the more he struggles to keep up the pace and keep up the action and that's kind of what i saw in his loss to william knight who now has lost back-to-back fights since beating menifield menifield rarely goes to decisions in fights and the same can be said for crew with the average fight time being under five minutes the question here is whether or not crew can effectively shoot for takedowns keep Menafield on the canvas and avoid his knockout power if he does that i could see crew winning with ground and pound or submission Menifield, though, has great takedown defense, and he enjoys finishing fights as well. I refuse to pick a guy who's coming off a two-year layoff. Give me the plus 185 underdog to win inside the distance here.
2: So you're taking
0: Alonzo, Alonzo
2: Mennefield. There we go. Mitch, I'll give it to you before I give my breakdown.
1: Who do you have in this fight? Well... It wasn't that hard of a decision for me in this fight. It did have a huge role. Crute not fighting in over a year. He had to get surgery. And he also was in back-to-back defeats. And granted, those were two great fighters, and one of them's currently the champion. But that time off does tend to affect fighters. I've come to know that. I also believe Menfield will get it done. I think I agree with Jake on the part that it does have to be an early knockout. And I think that's exactly what it will be. So I'll take midfield, midfield. So.
2: Yeah, I'm also going to take Alonzo here. And the big thing is, Mitch, you kind of said it. We're talking about Jimmy Crew who's two and three in his last five, coming off back-to-back losses, hasn't fought in over a year, versus Alonzo coming off two wins, and has fought twice in the past seven months and three weeks. So for me... I want to take a guy who's fresh, who's powerful versus a guy who does have wrestling, like you said, Jake, when he wants to use it, but really has just wanted to stay on his feet and strike recently. And just because of that, I have to take Alonzo Menningfield here. So it looks like we are all in agreement in the first fight. Mitch, I'll give you the second one. We have Justin Taffa versus Parker Porter in a uh, little heavyweight bout. Who do you have here?
1: Yeah, this one was a little tough to pick because they've both been kind of up and down in the UFC. And Tafa recently won his fight, but Porter's trying to bounce back. He just lost. And it's heavyweight. I know that the knockout's always a factor with heavyweights. And I think think it's going to be a slugfest in this one, which is what I'm hoping for because I love to see heavyweight slugfests. And I'm actually going to go with Tafa. I think Tafa's got slight advantage and you know I also saw that this is Porter's first time fighting on you know foreign soil he's getting out of where he's from so I think that could affect the fight not too much though and but I got Tafa in that absolute slugfest though yeah I'm
2: gonna take Justin here as well he has really good knockout power really good chin he got a head kick knockout In his um, last fight versus Harry Huntsucker. Didn't look bad versus Jared. Um, Parker Porter is a really good striker. Not a lot of power. He lets his guard down a lot. Hasn't had a knockout since 2019. And that might not sound too crazy to you. But guys, it's 2023 now. That's a long time to not have a knockout as a heavyweight. Especially considering how many fights he's had. And he's not out head kicking people to knock him out. He really doesn't do much. Justin Taff has a super powerful chin. He has knockout power. I'm not saying he's the craziest heavyweight either. Neither of guys are. But if I have to pick one or the other, I'm easily taking Justin in this one. Jake, do you agree with me and Mitch?
0: I don't agree with you guys. And Mm -hmm. the one thing that Mitch said is he's looking for a slugfest here. But you mentioned Alex. like Neither one of these guys are all that impressive at what they do. And I'm actually not really looking forward to this fight. I don't expect fireworks from this fight as you would see in most other heavyweight clashes in the UFC if you look at Tafa's game you mentioned his last win over Ohio legend Harry Huntsucker. not really a legend at all I'm kidding there Huntsucker got knocked out by everybody he faced in the UFC uh, and Tafa he actually snapped a two-fight decision losing streak By winning that contest, he does have 100% takedown defense, but I don't really see that coming into play here. He has a negative striking differential. He has decent speed in his strikes, but to me, he obviously has power. But nothing other than that really impresses me about Tafa's game. If you look at Porter, Porter, he's 13 and seven, five wins by KO, three first round finishes. He has a long average fight time for a heavyweight at 10:19. And sure, he got submitted in his last fight, but that was against Gilton Almeida, who is a absolute star in the UFC at this point. Unlike most heavyweight fights, I see this one going to a decision. I could see neither man really connecting with the shots that they need to knock out one another and in that process, getting tired and going all three rounds. Porter is a guy at heavyweight who's experienced in going the distance, and I'm not sure if Tafa is going to be able to threaten that. Once again, you know, I'm taking the underdog in this fight as well. This time it's the experienced heavyweight Parker
2: Porter by decision. Parker Porter? Yeah. That's very crazy to me. I think he is awful, but. I mean, I don't hey. think. I think Toff hey. is kind of awful, too. Nah, he's average. He's like average I said, heavyweight. Like he, I mean, he's 5
0: and 3. Porter is more experienced. He's more experienced in the UFC, he's more experienced going to the the distance. Sure. I, that's where I, I, mean, I see him. Hey, this fight he going.
2: fought John Jones. Yeah, if that means a, anything to you.
0: I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said about Porter and his experience and why hasn't he been able to build on his game? Why hasn't he been able to improve? Because obviously he does have those seven losses. He's not ranked in the UFC by any means, but he's a plus 120 dog. I see value in that. And Justin, Badman man Tafa, I don't really think he's all that much of a bad man.
2: Okay. Well, we will see. We, we will see. For me, the one thing with this fight, is you said, you think it goes to decision for me. I think every round this fight goes is more of a case for Justin to go and get that knockout because I do not see Parker Porter hitting a knockout at all. I think
0: if Porter like withstands the first couple flurries from Tafa in the first and second round, I think Porter can make this fight go to a decision. And if this fight goes to a decision, it's going to Parker Porter. If Tafa wins by decision, I will be shocked. All
2: right. So the first disagreement Coming very early to the next fight, Jack Della Maddalena taking on Randy Brown. I'll start this one off. Uh, Brown, really, really good striker, good speed, good boxing. He has BJJ if he needs it, but he really relies on that lengthy striking uh, to maintain distance well and to just kind of go in and out with you. Uh, Jack Maddalena is really Fun to watch. He has a great jab, a good cross. He marches forward well, and he lands 8.45 strikes per minute. That is a problem for anyone, and I think that's why I'm going to take Jack here to get the win. He's going to march forward and just strike with Randy Brown. The, the distance isn't really even going to be much, I think. I Last time I checked, the reach was only about 2 or 3 inches, which really isn't crazy in MMA math. Uh, in terms of reach, and I just think Jack Della Madalena is a contender if he can really get this um, this win under his belt, and I think he will. Mitch, what do you think?
1: I personally have a lot of faith in Jack Della Madalena to get out of here with a win. He's got three straight first-round finishes, and he's a he's an up-and-coming star, and I think that people should definitely keep their eyes on this guy because I think he actually could work his way up to competing for a title shot sooner than a lot of people think. I'm going to take him in this fight. It wasn't that hard for me, and I know not to sleep on an opponent, and I know Randy Brown could possibly have a chance, but I'm going to hop on top of the Madalena hype train, hype train right now, and I'm just I think it's going to be pretty quick, just like his last three fights, and I think he'll get it done.
0: Yeah, I agree with you guys. Randy Brown, I don't think he has much of a chance here at all. I think Jack de la Madalena is a good parlay piece. He's 13 and 2. The Australian wins 85% of his fights via KO. He has seven first round finishes. I have no idea how this man isn't ranked in the UFC yet. In his last fight, it was a first round KO win over Danny Roberts in November. He's just great at throwing powerful combinations without getting hit himself. He hasn't even been hurt in the UFC yet. And I think the ceiling in this man's career is very similar to their career path of Dustin Poirier. Hmm. That's how special I think Della Madalena is so far. And for Brown, he, he does have length and that's really his only advantage in sure. this fight. But as you said, Alex, it's not a huge you know, size advantage here in this fight for Brown. He's taller, a bit more lengthy, but I don't see that deterring Della Madalena at all. He closes distance very well, has the power to knock anybody out and has the boxing prowess to make it look easy jack is coming for the rest of this division i see a quick ko win for the australia australian and hopefully a number next to his name this time next week
2: we are all in agreement as we go into the co main event for the interim featherweight championship belt because our boy volk is stepping up to fight islam meaning one of these guys are probably going to end up fighting alex when he comes back it's yara rodriguez taking on josh emmett jake i'm gonna give it back to you give me your breakdown on this fight and who you got winning
0: yeah for el pantera he's 15 and 3 six wins by ko five first round finishes of course that last fight was that first round knockout win over brian ortega of course fans were stripped of what would have been a highly entertaining featherweight bout after ortega suffered an injury but before that rodriguez was looking fantastic on the feet and that is worth noting He uses his length to its full potential with at times risky, but calculated attacks. It's all about his precision and his speed. I always think back to his war with Max Holloway when I think about the variety of attacks that this man has in his arsenal. Even though he ended up losing that contest, it was still a great fight. He's also the fighter that always likes to move forward in fights. He has a 62% takedown defense in case Emmett throws a curveball at Rodriguez and tries to take this fight to the ground. For Emmett, I'm not entirely impressed by his game. He's eight, 18 and 2 with 53% of his wins coming via decision. He's on a five fight win streak with three decision wins and two knockouts in that span. Last fight was that split decision win over Calvin Cater last June. Personally, I think Cater won, but Emmett was able to effectively use his offense behind his guard against a talented boxer. He's big for the, the division, he's defensively minded. Emmett only lands 38% of his strikes. He's going to have to rely on that counter striking if he wants to put Rodriguez away, which if Rodriguez is feeling too loose out there, that could happen. Personally, I would have liked to see Arnold Allen in this spot over Mm -hmm. Josh Emmett. And I'm not really a fan of an interim flyweight title at all in the first place in, in this fight. Regardless, I think this should be a fun matchup while it lasts. I see Emmett engaging in the clinch a lot while he's hurt in the first two rounds. Then Rodriguez piling it on in the third, and maybe in the fourth round. I like the under four and a half rounds here, and I'll give Rodriguez some type of wild KO to become the interim flyweight champ.
2: That's one for Rodriguez. I'm going to give it to you, Mitch. What do you think?
1: Well, that is a very smart take, and you know I think this matchup is also going to be very fun. You know I enjoyed watching the last fight that Josh Emmett had against Cater, and I also agree that I do not think that Josh Emmett won that fight watching it back But, you know, that's the decision that the judges came to. I know that Rodriguez loves to keep things at a distance. He loves to throw those kicks. He has a huge arsenal of different strikes that he can throw. His fight with Holloway, that was kind of what won me over as a fan for him. And since then, I've watched back to his other fights, and I'm really impressed by him. And I know he hasn't been as explosive as he once was in the UFC, But I believe that he will get it done against Josh Emmett. And I know Emmett is on the five-fight win streak. But like Jake said, three of those were by decision. And he's going to have to close distance, keep Rodriguez against the cage, work in some grappling, hopefully, if you're him. Because I don't think you want to go strike for strike with Yair. And I also have a late finish. I can't really see a first or second round knockout not going As bold as I did on our last podcast, but I am going to say maybe a fourth or fifth. I can see him getting it done with a little head kick, maybe getting fancy and picking up that interim championship.
2: So for me, Mitch, I mean, you say, yeah, Rodriguez hasn't been explosive. I kind of agree with you, Jake, where his last fight versus Brian Ortega before he got stopped, I think is the most explosive I've seen him in a very long time. Uh, It's what I had in my notes. Uh, the other thing with Yair yeah, Rodriguez, and you brought this up too, Mitch, and it's my biggest thing to say, is we're we're talking about that Max Holloway fight where he forced Max Holloway, who I'm so happy. I don't think people think he's the best boxer anymore, but for a long time, people said he's the best boxer in UFC. He forced Max Holloway to take desperation takedowns in the late rounds so he can win that fight. He He was... Max Holloway, the best boxer, had to take desperation takedowns on Yair Rodriguez. That is an incredible thing that I love to look at. And, I mean, you guys broke down Josh Emmett very good. We, I think we all agree that he didn't win the Cater fight. And uh, he has a good March Forward style. Ducks his head a lot. I think he's going to get hit a lot. And I think Yair Rodriguez wins this one, too. He was destroying Ortega, like I said. Um... I mean, even Cater got hit a lot by Josh Emmett. Because Josh Emmett, a lot of people like to talk about his power. Cater got hit a lot. Didn't get knocked out. Didn't even get knocked down. So I really, really like Yair Rodriguez in this matchup as well. On to the main event. Islam Makachev taking on Alexander Volkanovsky in Alexander's backyard for the belt. Jake, I'll give it to you. What's your breakdown and your final verdict in this fight?
0: I am so looking forward to this fight. This fight is one I had circled from even last year when this fight was announced. Of course, Volkanovski going from 145 to 155, chasing champ champ status. I'll start with Mikashev here, though. He's 23-1 and with 48% of his wins coming via submission. He's on an 11-fight win streak with dominant outing after dominant outing in the UFC, of course, that last fight won the title by submitting Charles Oliveira last October. Yeah, he did. I picked Char- Charlie Olas to win that <laughs> fight, Alex, but it was Mikachev's time as he submitted the most decorated submission artist of all time. A crazy stat for Islam. He only absorbs .93 strikes per minute, Yeah, which is absurd for how many fights he's had. He averages 3.42 takedowns per 15 minutes of cage time, a 66% takedown accuracy to go with it. He's a chain wrestler in any way you look at it. He is going to relentlessly attack for single and double legs in this fight. And once to the ground, his ability to submit his opponents might be the best in all of MMA right now. For Volkanovski, you mentioned it, Alex. He has home field advantage. He's in his backyard in Perth, Australia. He's 25-1. and 50% of his wins come via knockout. He earned the number one pound-for-pound spot in the UFC with his 22-fight win streak. His last fight was that title defense decision win over Max Holloway. And you mentioned it, Alex Holloway is considered one of the best, maybe not the best anymore, but one of the best boxers in the sport. Yep. And Volkanovski landed 72 more significant strikes than than him. Just a complete outclass uh, performance there from Volkanovski. He lands 6.79 strikes per minute while only absorbing 3.53 strikes per minute. He's also well-rounded with wrestling, but obviously don't expect him to be wrestling offensively Against Vokashev here, 73% takedown defense, which is huge. And he has a knack for getting up quickly when taken down. In his 12-fight UFC career, he has spent just two minutes and seven seconds in bottom position. Does that get tripled on Saturday? That's definitely a possibility, but that is still a very impressive stat. He's also shown off his ability to fight off the nastiest of submissions in his win over Brian Ortega. My prediction, though. Alexander Volkanovski is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC right now. If there's a guy that can climb this mountain, beat the seemingly unbeatable Islam Mikashev and become a double champ, it's him. But looking at this fight stylistically and logically, I think Mikashev wins. It's not going to be easy. And I'm giving Volkanovski way more credit than the sports books and other analysts are. I just think Mikashev's top pressure is going to be too much and I could see him win this fight by either submission or decision. If it's by submission, Volkanovsky would be willing to go to sleep. I wouldn't be shocked if I'm wrong with this pick at all. I hope Volkanovsky shocks the world. But the pick is Islam Makashev.
2: Jake taking Islam. No disrespect to Alexander, though. Mitch, I'm going to give it to you. Who do you have here?
1: So when you think of UFC dominance right now, I don't know if I can name two people better than the two people that are fighting in this bout. And, you know, Makachev, he's obviously great wrestler. He's got the ground game. He's got his head coach, Habib And Volkanovski, we talked about him on the last podcast. He's absolutely dominant. Like, he has the boxing skills to outbox Max Holloway and he can stay off the ground and get up very quickly, which is what Jake mentioned. And I think that's a very big factor is that I'm not sure what Islam is going to do if he cannot take Alexander down. And he even mentioned that in a press conference that already happened. He said, you know, you're going to feel really panicked when you can't take me down. And when they're on the feet, I cannot see Makachev outboxing him at all I don't think that's even a close thing to talk about and I really 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 want to pick Volkanovski and also agreeing with Jake if anyone can do it it's him and I can't see anyone besides him doing it but I think it's a big factor that he's also not fighting at his natural weight well his championship weight he has to move up fight Islam where he's comfortable and I'm I just can't I don't have the heart to pick against Makhachev because I think he's he's always gonna be a solid pick and I, I can't pick against him no matter how much I want to. So I'm gonna say Islam with a victory by submission.
2: But with you guys going with Islam here, I'll bring up a couple things that hasn't really been brought up yet, so it's not getting repetitive. Um number one, I think you know, Islam in a five round fight is yet to be seen. Usually if you're a wrestler, more of a Sambo guy, but these, you know, grapplers, uh, the longer they go, they're all right. That's just how they train. That's how they are. But we haven't seen it from Islam yet. So I'm not a hundred percent confident. Number two, Alexander Volkanovsky is going to have his power back. People always talk about Alexander Volkanovsky, one of the best strikers, one of the best strikers, but no knockout power. Alexander Volkanovsky started his career at middleweight, then went to lightweight, and then in the UFC was in featherweight. And if you look back at his old fights, he was finishing every single person he fought. He was knocking them out. He is comfortable at that weight. That's his walk-around weight. And he actually put on more weight. He put on around 175 and cut to that lean lightweight. So he looks good. He's ready. He's strong, and everybody is hyping up Alexander and then picking Islam, and that's exactly how I feel, and that's what I wrote down, but I'm changing my pick on the fly. I'm going with Alexander Volkanovsky, the man from down under, and I don't care. I don't care if it's crazy. I don't care what the odds are saying. I don't care that I wrote it on my laptop yesterday that I'm picking Islam, and I'm looking at it now, and I'm disagreeing with it. Look, I was so happy Islam beat Charles. He did it effortlessly. He did it effortlessly. A lot of people, if Charles won that fight versus Islam, they were expecting Alex to fight Charles. And a lot of people had Alex in that fight versus Charles. I just, I don't want to count Alex out. There's a reason that my, you know, everybody's gut saying, well, Alex has what it takes to, you know, stick in there. He's tough. He's powerful. He's strong. He's got that. And he has that great first name too. I really like (laughs) <laughs> but I, I have to take him. I, I understand the Sambo of Islam's incredible. It's best in UFC history. It's better than Mirab Dwalish Willies, or even better than Khabib because Khabib was more of a wrestler than a Sambo fighter. Um, so I think Islam can be, can be stopped. And if anybody is going to do it, it'll be Alexander Volkanovsky. If he can't do it, then Islam's reigning for a long, long time until he wants to give up i will take alexander volkanovsky here guys wow i mean i hope you're right alex that's my takeaway i
0: really hope oh, you're right man. nothing no, there's nothing i want more to see in the ufc than this saturday alexander volkanovsky to have two belts on his shoulders right. nothing i want to see more than that and i was so enthusiastic about this like you were when it came to the last time we saw a, a fighter in the ufc chase champ champ status which of course was your guy israel adesanya going up to face Jan Blahovic and i i was so convinced that adesanya was you know chasing john jones and he was going to get two belts and then we saw what happened and Jan was just able to wrestle him but that that fight there was more size right the sure. size was the biggest thing and i actually agree with your assessment here that size isn't really a debate in this fight i don't see size being an issue alexander volkanovsky has talked about how he's always been short He's always been the little guy, regardless of what walk of life he's been in, whether it was competing in rugby, competing at middleweight, then going down all the way to featherweight and proving on a 22 fight win streak that he is the man in the featherweight division. I don't think size is an issue here. I just need to look at it stylistically and not get caught up in this Volkanovsky. I'm a huge fan. I want him to be a double double champ. But to me, I just think Mikashev is too talented and he might have to weather a storm, but I just think he's going to be able to take Volkanovski down. I know Volkanovski's relentless. I know he gets up easily, but Mikashev, I think he's just that next-level guy that is going to be able to keep him on the ground and, as Mitch said, maybe even submit him and put him to sleep.
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. I quite literally have on my laptop Islam's name highlighted, meaning I was going to pick him. I just changed my pick. The one thing, Mitch, I was also going to say is you talk about when you look at the jump, uh, being a difficult jump Conor McGregor made this jump and won successfully in his in his career he he did do this jump and he became a double champ Alexander Volkanovsky is a lot better than Conor McGregor in my opinion and I'm a Conor guy but I don't know it's really hard for me to pick you talk about size too another thing to add is like you know not only is Alexander used to being the little guy but Islam is kind of small compared to the west of his actual weight division he is he is a little more guy in that weight class as well, which kind of evens him up even that much more. Um, yeah, and you know, I always take the wrestler over the striker all day. It's just, uh, it's going to be tough for me. It's going to be tough. But let's go through all of our picks and who we have winning. I will give it to you, Mitch.
1: Yep. So, first fight on the main card, I got Manifield over Cruit. I'm probably going to go with the early knockout. I'll go second round knockout in that fight. Moving on to the heavyweight bout, I got Tafa over Parker Porter. I think that is probably going to be a third round knockout. I can see Porter exhausting a little more than I can see Tafa. Don't really think that's going to be a huge fight, but like I said, I hope it's a slugfest and we get something out of it. Uh, I got Jack over Randy Brown. I'm going to go with a... First-round knockout in this one. I'm riding the hype train on that one. I believe that Yair Rodriguez is going to win over Josh Emmett. A late TKO, I'm thinking, or just a surprising head kick knockout. I'll go fourth round with that one. And in the main event, Islam, Makachev, and Volkanovsky. I'm going to go Islam by submission in i'll say the fourth round
0: yeah my picks here for ufc 284 for the first fight give me alonzo atomic menifield i don't think this fight is going to go to a decision is crew going to be able to wrestle with the layoff i don't think so i think Metafield gets it done early inside the distance with a ko in the heavyweight division, Justin Toffa versus Parker Porter. I mentioned it. I'm not impressed by either one of these heavyweights, but I'm going to go with Parker Porter by decision. He's more credentialed, has more experience in the UFC. I just trust that skill set over Justin Toffa, who's really going to rely on landing that one strike, and I just don't see that coming this Saturday night. Then give me Jack Della Maddalena. I love what I see out of this guy. He should be ranked. He's not ranked yet. I mentioned it. He he is The next coming of Dustin Poirier, I see that as his ceiling in his UFC career. I've been wildly impressed with him so far in just three UFC fights. I expect an early KO win out of him over Randy Brown. Then for the co-main event, the interim featherweight title bouts. Give me Yair El Pantera Rodriguez. I wish he was fighting Arnold Allen here. Unfortunately, it's Josh Emmett, but I think Rodriguez is just too talented. He mixes up his strikes too much he's going to get Josh Emmett out of there, probably in the third or fourth round. I see a late KO like Mitch does. But Rodriguez, I just think he's way too talented to lose this fight on Saturday. And then it pains me to say it in the main event, I'm rooting for you, Alex. I hope you get this pick right. But I unfortunately have to go with Islam Mikashev. I think his time is right now as he chases a legacy of his mentor in Habib Nurmagomedov. I think that is his ceiling, maybe even further than that. Give me Makashev to retain his lightweight title.
2: For me, I agree with you guys for all the same reasons with Alonzo Menningfield. I think he gets it done. Mitch, I'm going to agree with you. Here I have Justin Taffa taking it. A little tied to Ivasa 2.0 is what I kind of see out of him when he fights, and I like to see that versus Parker Porter. Give me Jack Maddalena Over Randy Brown in his fight, I think della has got what it takes to get it done. Give me Yara Rodriguez. I also really like him. I think he's actually a lot better than Josh Emmett. I think Josh Emmett's very overrated. And give me Alexander Volkanovsky. Is my heart speaking volumes over my brain? Maybe. But I will say one thing that I've always done with this show is I go with my gut. I always, always, always go with with my gut at the end of the day. And uh, usually that's that's work. And the stats and everything aligns with my gut. But I my gut just tells me Alexander Volkanovsky, and that's why I can't pick against him. And I think he will become the double champion here very soon. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Sports Power Talk Overtime. I hope you guys enjoy UFC 284, February 11th, taking place in Perth, Australia But for right now, I've been Alex Henry. I was with
1: Mitch Bates and
2: Jake Murren. And we are signing out.